So the other day, well, actually more precisely the other night, I had a dream, real literal dream, okay? It went something like this, where um, uh, it turned out in my dream that my wife Linda had accepted an invitation on my behalf to go preach at an event that was a celebration of a holiday. It sounded like it would be okay, uh, but we showed up there. There's a great crowd of people that were there, and I was going to be speaking at this event. Um, and it turned out that the holiday that was being celebrated was a Muslim holiday that I was invited to speak to. Um, and it, it got more interesting after that because it turned out that even though this was a Muslim holiday that, you know, the celebration was supposed to be for, actually Muslims were in the minority in attendance at, um, in this throng, as were Christians for that matter. The majority of the people who were there were irreligious. They were, they were people who were um, really um, against being Christian, against being Muslim, against being anything that would be any kind of a organized religion. And right before I was to get up and speak, a man got up and spoke about how he used to be a Christian, and he uh, was really happy that he was no longer a Christian. And then they called on me to get up and speak. And I turned to my wife and said, what have you gotten me into? Well, I, there was no time to prepare a message for this thing, so I decided that what I would share with them would be the very message that I had been working on to, to share with you today. So I got up and shared this message that I will share with you now. It begins this way. In the beginning, God created all that exists. He created everything that exists. And he looked and it was good, but there was one thing missing. One thing missing as he looked at creation, even though it was so good. One thing missing, and it was this desire of God's heart. It was the desire of God's heart that he would have people that would be so close to him that they would rub up against him and they would bear the scent of God as they went out into the world so that creation would uh, be able to hold its nose up into the wind and sniff at the wind and say, I recognize that smell. It's the smell of my Creator. It's the smell of God. So back in Genesis, it, it records it this way where it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God created people to resemble himself. He created people to be so close to himself and so, so you know, with the, with the life of people so intertwined with the life of God that the one would not be complete without the other. But there in the Garden of Eden, God still needed to fulfill the desires of his heart. As he created these people, he breathed breath into their lungs and he planted a tree in the garden. In fact, he planted many trees in the garden. Many of them were good for eating the fruit from those trees. And uh, people would, in those days understood that if you ate something, it was taking it into your life. You are what you eat, after all, and you take it into your life, and you have that as part of your life. So God planted a tree in the garden, and it was the tree of life. And people ate from the tree of life, and they experienced the fullness of life that was experienced when a person rubs up against God and walks away with the smell of God on them. 
as they carry that smell into creation. You know, God created people to resemble Himself. So the people, when, 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 when creation or anybody would look at a person who rubbed up against God, they would see God. It was kind of, kind of like when, uh, you know, I look at my, my youngest sister, and uh, I look at her and I see my grandmother. You know, she looks so much like my grandmother. Or like for me, when I sneeze, it reminds me of my dad because I sneeze exactly like my dad, you know, exactly. It's like, where is he? I sneeze exactly like him because, you know, we, we pass these things on. But now what God is passing on by being so close in proximity to people is that he passes on this resemblance to God. So the creation can look at people and see God. But something, something happened. People sampled not just the good of the creation, but they sampled the evil in the creation. And it was like they opened this box filled with the black plague that began to spread out and infect people, and it could not be contained. It was there into humanity, lifting the lid on it and covering over the scent of God with the stench of sin. And God looked as the sin began to grow and spread. Cain, and the child of Adam and Eve, killed his brother Abel. Violence began to grow. People rebelled against God and they built monuments to themselves. And God looked at creation and people no longer could smell like the smell of God. So what did God do? God planted a tree. This tree was a cypress tree that God planted now. And God went to a man by the name of Noah. And he said these words to Noah in Genesis 6. I'm going to to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. So Noah did what God commanded, and he he took the tree that God provided, and he used it to shape it into lumber and to make a ship called an ark. And there he brought on his family, and he brought on creation that was good. But he also brought something else onto that ship as well. He brought on this virus that went with Noah and his family, this virus of sin, so that when Noah and his family finally landed, they brought this virus of sin into this new and virgin land. They were like the explorers who first came from Europe to this, this world, to the new world, to the Americas, that when they first came here and they landed on these shores, they brought with them viruses that they didn't even know, in some cases that they were the carriers of. And the Native Americans who were not prepared for these viruses, caught these viruses, and many of them died because of the virus that they caught. Cortez, when he landed in Mexico, he he and his men brought a virus off their ship that was so deadly that 74% of the Native Americans that that were there before all died because of the virus. And now Noah and his family were carriers of this virus of sin as they brought it off the ark onto the land, and it spread from them to their children and to their children's children. And it seemed as though there was no end in sight to the virus that was enslaving people 
and separating them from the God who loved them. So what was God to do now? Well, God planted a tree. God planted a tree. And at this point in my dream, I knew I, there, there was this conscious turning in my mind that I knew that up until now I at least had the Muslims with me because the Muslims believed in, in much of the Bible up through Abraham. But after Abraham, you know, they didn't believe in much in the Bible. And they, there was this really this path this, that went another direction. And I knew that if I continued down the path that was in front of me, that I could stand to lose everybody out there. And they stoned people and for less than that. But God wasn't through yet. Sin was growing. So what did God do? God planted a tree. And this time, the tree that God planted grew of the the, the gnarly, uh, sturdy desert variety that would grow in the crags of rocks and in, in places where there was very little water. And God said to a shepherd who was tending his flock, he said to him, take a branch from this tree and which, with that branch, Moses took and he's, he threw it down. He cast it down in front of Pharaoh and it became a snake. And he took that same branch of that tree that was his staff and he touched the waters of the Nile and they became red with blood. And he held up the staff that God had given to him from that tree of God and he parted the Red Sea so that the people of Israel could cross across to the uh, other side where they might be on this journey toward the promised land where they would experience freedom to worship God, and to follow Him. But something happened on the journey to the promised land where the people of God, instead of, instead of experiencing the fullness of life that God wanted for them, that God's heart was for them, what happened was that they turned to the, the slavery that they, that they knew back in Egypt, and they preferred that to the freedom. So what was God to do? Well, God thought maybe what he should do is what, the, what he had done with Noah, that maybe what he should do is just simply wipe them out and start over again. But, but no, he'd tried that once before. This time he would start over with Moses. But instead what God did was God, well, God built, God planted a tree. And he planted this tree so that the people there could build a life together. They could they could. As a matter of fact, he planted many trees in the promised land. He gave them the promised land in spite of themselves. And they were to take these trees and build houses, and they were to take these trees for fuel, and they were to take these trees to build a life together with God so they might experience that fullness of life with him. But instead, what they did was they took the trees that God had given to them, the gifts of God, and they worshiped them instead. They shaped them into idols and worshiped them instead. The people now had lost their minds. Why would anyone worship the creation over the Creator? Why would anyone reject the freedom of God when they could experience the fullness of life in Him? Why would anybody do that? They'd not only lost their minds, they'd lost their hearts. And God compared them to an unfaithful bride who had cheated on their husband. And God was that husband. In Jeremiah, God says these words, They say to the wood, You are my father, and to stone you gave me birth. They have turned their backs to me and not their faces, yet when they are in trouble, they say, Come and save us. The Lord was pushed to the side. You can almost almost hear God's heart breaking. 
You can almost hear that as, as these people that he loves so much and that he wants, he just wants them so badly to experience this fullness of life and for creation to smell that scent of God on people again. And yet these people that he loves so much that he wants to give this fullness of life to, that he wants to give this freedom to, instead are pushing God away and treating him as though he's no better than a dog who's to come only when called. God's heart is breaking. Sin seems to be winning. People were out of their minds. Nothing seemed to work. Nothing seemed to make any difference at all. there, There seems to be no cure at all for this. So what is God to do? Well, God planted a tree. God planted a tree, and this time the tree was planted on a lonely, rocky, wind-swept bluff where the Romans crucified their criminals. It was there that God planted this tree that had no leaves, this tree that had few branches, this tree that resembled a cross. And it was on this tree that the Old Testament says that if a person is hung on a tree like this, that they are under a curse. So why would God plant a tree like this? Because we are under a curse, the curse of sin. You know, people have spent millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars by now, trying to find a cure to cancer. And yet sin is far more pervasive. Sin has far more greater ramifications. Sin is far deadlier than any cancer or all the cancers we can possibly combine into one. So how can we possibly raise enough money to find a cure for sin? There's not enough money in existence. There's no one with deep enough pockets. The only way that we can possibly do this, the only one with a pocket deep enough for that would be the God of the universe, the one who created it all. He's the one who would have to pay for that. So his son hung there on that cross, on that tree, bearing that curse of sin, that virus was laid on him which means that when he died, that sin died so that you and I might know freedom, so that we might experience the freedom to follow the God who loves us that much, so that we might be changed like so many who've come before us, so that we might decide in the shadow of this tree that maybe just maybe he might be worth trusting enough to be able to walk through that door to discover that fullness of life that he wants to give to us. When Jesus hung on that tree, one of his disciples, Peter, you know, one of the leaders of his disciples ran for his life because he was afraid. He knew the power of sin. But later when he saw that tree was empty, Jesus wasn't there anymore. And he saw that the tomb was empty. Jesus wasn't there anymore. And he saw that Jesus was there in his life, that he was alive and walking with him, that he was changed from a coward to courageous. He went from somebody that spoke Satan's words to Jesus to one who uh, the the leaders of, of the Jews were speaking to him not to say the words of Jesus at all, not to tell anybody about Jesus, but he went out and told them right in their front yard. And he was arrested again, brought before him. And they said, don't do it again. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
Am I supposed to obey God or you? It didn't matter what prison you threatened him with. It didn't matter if you threatened his life. He had seen something. That God planted a tree. Now, what do you suppose the response back to my dream of all those people were to that message? I don't know. I woke up right then. I have no idea. I was awake now. But I do know this, that every day that you and I are awake, we read the news, we see the television reports, we look around us in traffic, we see interactions in relationships, we even can see it maybe in our own families, we can see it all around us, that sin exists. And there are many people who will look around them at, at the various things that happen and they will say, they'll, they'll, they'll blame God for it. They'll say, I, I can't believe in a God who allows this to happen. But you and I both know something. That in response to that sin, God planted a tree. And when you look at that tree, and you trust in Him, that's when you can bear the smell of God into the world around you because God planted a tree. Amen.